0: Modern medicine is advancing at faster speeds than ever before, yet the world still sees the healthcare experience as difficult and dated. The Real Chemistry podcast shares interviews with industry leaders who are innovating in healthcare. Join Real Chemistry's chief marketing officer, Aaron Strout, as he explores how AI and ideas can come together to transform healthcare into what it should be.
1: Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, Chief Marketing Officer of Real Chemistry and host of the Real Chemistry podcast. And starting with today's episode, the next several episodes were recorded live at South by Southwest 2023, some in one-on-one fashion, some up on our podcast stage at the official South by Southwest lounge in the convention center. And we cover a number of different topics. Today's guest, though, is a longtime friend of both mine and Real Chemistry's. His name is Rohit Bargava. He is an innovation and marketing expert. He's a keynote speaker, multiple book author, uh, including his most recent book called The Future Normal. One might argue you could call him a futurist, although he might shy away from that title. But part of the beauty of what Rohit speaks to is he's very pragmatic in his future-looking capabilities. And in this particular one, he happened to partner up with a gentleman named Henry Catino Mason, uh, who added some additional international experience as well as some other insights to the mix. During our conversation today, we talk about why he continues to come back to South by Southwest, how the event has evolved, his new book, and in particular, how it leans into healthcare, which is such an important trend right now. Hope you'll listen in and take a, you know, a minute to really enjoy, um, someone that has such a broad look at the industry and give you a little bit of a flavor of what it was like to be at South by Southwest this year. So excited to be sitting here with good friend Rohit, um, Rohit. We have known each other for a long time and I think this is apropos because we're here at the Hilton at South by Southwest in Austin, 2023. Um, we'll get into your featured talk that you're doing tomorrow, but, uh, I think if I remember correctly, you and I actually met at South by Southwest, maybe back in the like 2008, 2009 timeframe. Does that sound right? Yeah, probably was
0: around then. I had just started coming to South by at that time. So I'm sure it was like right around then.
1: Well, it's funny because, um, we were joking and we'll, I guess we can rehash this now that we're really doing this for real now. The Hilton, where we're sitting, used to be kind of ground zero. You had the convention center and you had the Hilton. And then there were some other places that people had started to tap into. But now it's a very distributed event. So it is kind of cool to be back at ground zero. And I know I've walked around a little bit. And just looking at places where we've had geeky cues and we've done thought leadership yeah. and you know, we've probably gone to like blogger dinners and stuff like this that. Places
0: full of full of memories like that. I'm like, oh yeah, at that corner, I was just telling somebody in the lobby of the Hilton here, oh yeah, here's where a couple of years ago, one of my authors and I, she had an unboxing for her book and she hadn't seen it before and it was like the first moment. So yeah, you're right. It's full of, full of memories like that. It's really cool.
1: Well, and I, I guess that leads into the next question, which is you and I have both been coming for a long time and... I think we have a lot of friends that are sort of the OGs and some are like, I'm not going to come. I think last year with the whole web three bloom, we had a lot of folks that came as a result of that, like the Joe Jaffe's and Chris yours and Jeremiah O yang's. And um, I, I feel like it's sort of, you know, dwindled down to people you're doing a book launch and, and giving a big talk. We have a lot of clients and we do activations here. I have a question behind this. I promise, which is what keeps you coming back? Like what's the thing about South by Southwest that you feel like is I have to come here and, you chose to do your book launch here this year. Like, what was the, the impetus behind that?
0: I think that every year, you're right, there is something that is, quote unquote, the thing. But what's interesting about the work that I've always done is that I've never just focused on that thing. I've no, I haven't gone all in on like, oh, I'm now a blockchain guy. I'm now a crypto guy. I'm now a psychedelic guy. Like, I like all of those things. And so for me, what's interesting is that those things are gathered here and they get a lot of attention, but there's so many other things that maybe don't get as much attention, but that I'm looking for because next year they'll be the thing. And so this is a really fascinating place to meet people like that who are working on the thing, but also the next thing. And that's a pretty awesome thing to find at a conference and you don't really often find it because so many conferences now are very laser focused on a particular trend. So I can go to a healthcare conference and I do and I speak at those all the time and or financial services or retail, but like I'm sort of describing it as exactly what it is, which is a conference about an industry. And that's what most conferences are. They're either internal events for companies or they're conferences about industries. And what I like here is, I mean, you're doing a whole thing about healthcare. Someone else is doing a whole thing about luxury and fashion. Someone else is doing a whole thing about uh, psychedelic like we talked about. I mean, there's so many things happening and they're all in one place.
1: Well, it's funny just because you mentioned that there was one room, and I think like the three things that it had rotating through it were cannabis, like the future of cannabis, <laughs> psychedelics, and then civic action. And I was like, they're all related in a variety of ways, <laughs> yeah, but it's right. interesting on top of things like healthcare. Maybe film. The
0: cannabis makes you more civically active. Maybe, I, I, maybe. I would
1: not be shocked, right? <laughs> one of the things I do want to talk about, and then we'll get into your talk in the book, and that is that um, we have been here for a long time and we. You know, joked a little bit about some of the people and the changes, but what have you seen? Like, what have been maybe a couple of the biggest changes or shifts you've seen at South by since the early or mid two thousands?
0: You mean besides the white in both of our beards, right?
1: There's definitely more white in both of our <laughs> beards. Probably more in mine than yours, but yeah. Besides that, what what else have you seen?
0: Uh, I would say that before I felt, I really felt like interactive music and film were three very different things, and we didn't even have edu. And now I'm starting to see more connections between those. They don't run quite so separately, even though you do kind of see like people just come for one or the next one or the next one. And I think that's a great thing for South by overall to have this connection between them happen more frequently. So that's one thing that I've seen. Uh, The other thing that I've seen is, is, and some people don't like this. They sort of think, okay, South by Southwest jumped the shark because it's become more mainstream. And I don't say that in a critical way. I say that in a good way. Because it used to be kind of just this group of people. I would tell people I'm going to South by Southwest. They'd be like, "You're going to what? Where is that?" Like, and now there's sort of a recognition that it's there. There, yes, there's more celebrities who come here who aren't just film actors trying to promote their latest film it's like actual people who are business celebrities people who they've heard of new things that new initiatives that they're about to do they're launching here i mean i'm launching a book here but other people are launching new things here and so the reputation of south by southwest i think is becoming more mainstream on that level and that's a great thing for austin it's a great thing for the show and it's also just a great thing for all of us because there's so much niche media and niche experiences right now that we kind of need. Like we don't have a big TV channel anymore. Like we don't have mass media that everybody reads. And so having a conference that is headed in that direction, I think is a good thing. Now I know a lot of people disagree with me and they sort of wish it was what it was, but I think it's a great thing.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. And I want to be careful on this one because we could probably sound like we are poo-pooing some of our friends that have done that. Right. And I think for some people's businesses, that has been the case where like, they were all about social or community or digital or mobile. And so early days, this was like one of the things. And I also wonder out loud if, you know, Austin has undergone a amazing transformation, some good, uh, some not as good. I lived here from 08 until 2015 and just coming back here now and seeing all of the buildup. And, you know, I think it's doubled in size and so many companies now sort of headquartering here or having a major presence. And I think that has helped the city grow up and the conference has grown up. But I'm with you. It is nice to have this, you know, centralized conference where people can come and feel welcome, but has that sort of lean into innovation, right? Where and that's right. important to both of our businesses. And again, we'll get into that in just a second. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I do want to talk a little bit about this talk you're gonna do. Like I know you've um this is This is the fun thing about watching your friends grow up, right? It's like, (laughs) you know, you, I think, did talks back in the day, but you did a keynote last year. You're doing a featured session this year called 15 Non-Obvious Trends Shaping Our Future Normal. And so this, I believe, is riffing off of your book series, right? You've done the non-obvious. You have the new book, which we'll talk about in a second. But the thing I want to dig into is, in particular, um, there's a few things. The first one is that I want to get into the healthcare, and you sent me a copy. I didn't get a chance to dig too, too deep into it.
0: No, you read it cover to cover.
1: I read it cover to cover. I will have read it cover to cover Get it out soon. that other
0: part. You read it cover to cover. Okay, good. But I did Let's find go. the
1: important stuff, right? <laughs> the, I found the yes. uh, meat in the sandwich. <laughs> And that is, we do come from a very healthcare specific uh, lens, but I noticed that you have a series of chapters right in a row. So virtual companionship, which mentions one of our clients, Wobot Health. So we were very happy about that. Oh, great. They're Uh, awesome. I love them. Psychedelic wellness, ambient health, uh, green prescriptions, and metabolic monitoring. So let's talk about when did healthcare start to make its way in, I mean, obviously healthcare, especially thanks to the pandemic became a big deal. But I don't remember it was necessarily too front and center in some of your earlier non-obvious like trend books. What got it so firmly on your roadmap? And it looks like you actually covered a lot of you know a lot of detailed areas in particular with this particular book.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons why I was so excited to connect with you this year is because uh, I said, "Look, Aaron, we've got so much more healthcare content than we've ever had before uh, in any of my other work." And and the reason why I think is because the scope of this book the future normal as opposed to the non-obvious series uh, is much bigger in the sense that it's not just focused on the next year. It's more akin to what I did with non-obvious megatrends, which was kind of a 10-year span as opposed to just my annual book, which I became known for. And so as we did that process, I think it was partially about that, that it was a bigger vision. And it was partially about now I was collaborating with someone who was a peer in the world of futurist studies and who's looking at the world from a different perspective. I mean, Henry is based in London. I'm based in D.C., so we had kind of the cultural division of that. He does a lot of things and knows about a lot of innovation that's happening outside of the U.S., and there's a lot of things happening in the U.S., and I get to travel frequently, but there's a danger when you read a book about this that's from a U.S.-only based author. It's very
1: U.S.-centric, and this book doesn't do that, which is something we're both really proud of as well. So tell me, let's. This wasn't in my questions, but now that we brought it up, and I probably should have read some of the background on this. But how did you meet? Because I have to think, like you've been a little bit of a lone wolf for a while, right? You're a professor, an adjunct professor at Georgetown, if I remember correctly. My one of my alma maters. Yeah, that's right. Um, You worked at Ogilvy back in the day, but you've been really doing like the book author and sort of leadership thing for a number of years now. I'm sure it was probably both exciting and a little bit like, holy crap, what am I doing? Bringing this new guy into the mix are we going to mesh? Like, will we have the same? And I love, by the way, that you thought bigger and more globally, right? Because sometimes it's easy to say, I'm comfortable. This is how I do my thing. (laughs) It's going well. Let's just keep doing it. Exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about bringing Henry into the mix and like, what's that process been like?
0: Well, so first of all, we've known each other for a very long time. Um, So we were friends for a long time before we even thought about collaborating. And I think that uh, we were actually at an event in New York together and we were both being described in a similar way, which was futurist. And both of us have said independently at different times that we are reluctant futurists. And the reason for that is because we often study what's happening right now, not what might happen in 2050, Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of futurists do. And there's nothing wrong with studying it in the far future, but that just wasn't our specialty. Like what our specialty was, I mean, me coming from the world of marketing and advertising, um, and Henry coming from the world of trends and insights, is taking what's happening now and extrapolating a bigger lesson that can help leaders to shift their business, anticipate what their customers want, you know, real things that you can act on, as opposed to what we call future theater, which is stuff that sounds cool, but doesn't really have any application right now because it's just too far forward. You don't know what to do with it. And so as we started realizing that we saw this space in similar ways, the time sort of was perfect for this because Henry just left a role that he was at and he was starting something new. I had just done my non-obvious megatrends, which I had already announced was my last book in that series for 10 years. So for 10 years, I'd been writing it. Mm -hmm. And then this was the last book. This was the last time I was doing it. And so I was looking for something new around this space as well. And so it was a a fortune of timing and also the idea that we'd always wanted to collaborate on something. And this kind of became the thing. And that started our three-year process from pretty much when the pandemic started until now to write, research and launch this book.
1: Well, that's awesome. And again, the two of you are doing this talk tomorrow, which unfortunately, by the time people listen to this, will be in our rearview uh, headlight <laughs> or, or rearview mirror. It will
0: be. I'm, I'm happy to say, though, that they'll be recording it and South by Southwest will be posting it. So even if you're not
1: there, you'll be able to. So see. So that it. was what I was hoping the answer would be, but I didn't want to assume because yes, I yep. know sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So we'll try to link to that from the blog post that accompanies. Great. I do want to dive back into some of the healthcare mm-hmm. topics, right? So you picked very specific topics. And without stealing your thunder, but people won't hear this until after, right? So you're not giving <laughs> yeah, too much of a sneak preview. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in those areas that I mentioned and some of the chapters we're talking about? You want me to relist those? You remember no, them at the No, I got it. Head? I got it.
0: I literally, uh, it's funny. <laughs> this is sort of the prep of being an author of a book, uh, co-author of a book that has 30 trends, which is some of them I wrote a while ago. And so, and some of them Henry wrote more recently, and then I wrote, I uh, touched a while ago, and then vice versa. So, some of them were fresher in my memory, right? So, in preparation for now being out there doing these keynotes, doing these interviews, I literally created flashcards for myself. Of what the trends were, what the stories were so that I could internalize some of the stories. Someone so goes, what about we'll that trend? You like, yeah, exactly. remind me what that trend is again. Right. Right. So I got to remember the trends. What's funny is, uh, you might remember this cause way back in 2008, I wrote personality not included. That was my I first. I still book. have the book on my shelf yeah, as a matter yeah. of fact. So uh, yeah. A uh, yellow duck, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, And what's funny is sometimes people will just... I mean, books stay around for a long time. So somebody might just discover it. They might just read it. And then I might meet someone and they'd be like, on page 85, you talked about this. I'm like, dude, that was 2007 that I wrote. That was 15 years ago. I mean, that is a long time ago. I'm still pretty damn proud of that book. I mean, I think it lasted really well over time as opposed to some of my other books, which maybe didn't. Uh, But I don't remember what was on page 86, right? But this one I do. So yeah, to your question about some of the healthcare trends, Uh, one of the interesting things that we did was, um, you know how sometimes TV shows, they have episodic uh, sequences, and every once in a while, they're like, you know, we need like a two-episode episode. We need it to be like, to be continued, and then we need to put in the second one in there. There was a chapter in there, and you sort of mentioned it. We had a chapter called Ending Loneliness, and then the very next chapter was Virtual Companionship. And those were sort of sister chapters because what we looked at was the epidemic of loneliness and how we could solve that and ending loneliness was really in part about putting different generations of people together so old, older people living with younger people as one way of combating loneliness and then we talked about from a technology point of view virtual companionship so companionship through either conversing with a chatbot or having romantic relationships <laughs> you know which has emerged in the news now about like you know falling in love with a chatbot for example Uh, To like robots who are providing, uh, you know, um, almost like a pet-like experience, like a robotic pet kind of. And the idea that these things, which used to be really strange and and, uh, on the side and maybe something that some people would either misunderstand or maybe even ridicule, are now becoming real quantified ways of helping our mental health and helping people to get past this loneliness that is not just a problem for older people. I mean, so many younger people, especially after the pandemic, report these extreme feelings of loneliness that, if not uh, addressed, can turn into much more serious things like depression, suicides. I mean, there's lots and lots of data. And so tackling those two together was really fascinating. That was just one aspect of health. And then there were so many other chapters where we, we picked interesting things that were happening in extreme spaces that sometimes people don't think about. So... Yes, part of it was robotic surgeries and things like that, which are very health specific. But then there's ambient health. And ambient health was an entire chapter about how do we restructure our homes to increase our overall health? And how do we restructure our businesses to do the same thing? Can we shift the way that we treat the air or air pollution inside of the home or inside of the office building to make these places not just healthier for us, but maybe even additive to our health, right? Maybe they make us even healthier. And what would that look like? So that was another interesting angle of health as well.
1: Well, thank you for sharing those. And I guess my next question is related to this, right? So I'll I'll say it's a two-parter since you just gave me the (laughs) two-parter. So the first is just for the people listening in, and I think you go into this in the book, but I think a lot of people would love to be futurists. I don't think anyone or many people are equipped to do it. I know that you have sort of this longitudinal look, which is helpful, but at some point you had to start, and I think you and I may have even covered this on a previous podcast interview, but for those listening in, maybe for the first time, let's talk about how you now and Henry come up with these things, right? Because I'm sure there's a bit of a quantitative and a qualitative, but how do you find these things that are happening. And I love, by the way, and I have a related second part of the question of making them more pragmatic versus like, hey, in 50 years, we're going to be doing surgeries on Mars. It's like, that's cool. But A, we don't know if that's ever going to happen. And B, talk to me in whatever it is, 25 years, right?
0: Right. Well, I think that there's, what's interesting about this type of work is that there's always two sides to it. And one side is something that people assume is way bigger than it actually is. So one side of it is having the access relationships and network to talk to and interview people who are doing this cutting edge work. So being invited to the lab where you get to test this stuff, being sent the product before anyone else to be able to see it, having the conversation with the innovator who's changing the entire industry. People assume that's like 80% of what we do.
1: Can I just interrupt you though? Because yeah. that's a good one. Are you now finding that you have people seeking you out versus probably earlier days you had to do a lot of the seeking out yourself or is it still... Yes. Uh, Okay, so you, you're now on people's roadmap enough where it's like, I want to talk to this couple who are you know authors and make sure that they're tracking on this and to see if I can get some sort of coverage in the book?
0: That does happen. That does happen. But people, I think, often feel like, oh, well, that's 80% of it and I'm not that person and I don't have those relationships, so I can't do that. When actually it's a much lower percentage is that. And that obviously takes time to get to. But a much bigger percentage of our time in the way that we find these things is by observing, paying attention, reading the stories that are out there, researching, reading the surveys that people do, reading the research that's already available. And that doesn't take special access most of the time. A lot of it just takes the intention to go out and read these things and consume these things, especially the things that are being published outside of the industry that you happen to work in. And both Henry and I are really lucky because the work that we do brings us to many different industries. And so because of that, we start to see the connections between those industries in a way that a lot of times people don't, not because they couldn't, but because they just don't have the chance, because they're not reading in that way. And so for me, I call it non-obvious thinking, right? Like be open-minded, consume more information from more places. But that leads to being able to see a lot of these innovations and a lot of these things before anyone else and being able to do a lot of this future work. And it's not only dependent on getting that invitation to the lab that nobody
1: else gets. So how do, this is the second part of the question. You're putting this great intel out into the world. I think there's an element where anyone who's reading it is probably like, this is interesting, right? But then there's the layer, and this is, I think, part of what happens at South By is there are business people, and how should business people be sort of paying attention to digesting and then turning around and using some of these trends to sort of help them in their their respective areas?
0: Well, so one of the things we thought a lot about is we wrote this very comprehensive book. Like I said, there's 30 trends in there, which means there's 30 chapters. And one of the things we realized pretty early on is that that could be quite a fire hose for people. And so at the end of the book, we did something pretty unique that I've never done before, which is we created an entire section that we called industry playlists. And the industry playlists are if you work in this industry, retail, for example, or financial services, uh, these are the 10 trends that you might want to start with. Not the only ones that you should read, because I do think you should you know, branch out, and we wrote 30 Trends for a reason. But if you want a place to start, if you are feeling overwhelmed, these are the 10 you might want to start with. And people have looked at that and really loved it, because what it does is it gives them a starting point into this type of work. And that's sometimes what I think we need to do
1: and you do have if i remember correctly you have a newsletter which i think was a award winning webby award yeah, webby yep i pay attention to these things see, see that's good and um, nice plug i like it well it's well deserved <laughs> and you do a blog still if i remember correctly or <laughs> yeah
0: the blog is pretty much the stories from the newsletter so gotcha. it's not
1: really a separate thing well but you know people yeah, want right. to go in and find that and not have right. to wait for the newsletter yeah. right but i'd encourage people to sign up for those
0: well the newsletter comes first so
1: well, um, there you go. so you'd be waiting for the blog the newsletter you'd get I, it right in your it. inbox which is kind of the way it always should have been right cuz yeah. otherwise i know a lot of Sometimes we still do it the opposite way where you create although there's a lot of like just in time content where it's like hey i have a podcast that's coming up i want to make sure i include it in the newsletter yeah and they're like when is it going to be ready and i'm like don't worry it will be ready <laughs> so we'll work out the details later yeah i do want to get into maybe a little bit more of a like a sort of rapid fire last three questions okay, thing and it. so one of the things is we have been coming to south by for a long time um what is like the one thing when you're here that you look forward to? It could be food. It could be a Mexican martini. It could be, you know, seeing the people that you see, maybe it's the warmer weather. Although DC has been pretty warm lately.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not the weather. Cause that is so unpredictable. Um, I would say the number one thing that I look forward to is the people that I'm going to meet here. Uh, I am now uh, at, a, at a point that I've been coming here where unfortunately for me, I don't get a lot of time to go and see actual sessions. There are some amazing speakers that I would just love to watch. And I hope that some of them are recorded so that I can go and watch them later. But the people that I meet and the events that I get to go to, like, that's my favorite thing. There's just so many things to do, as you know. And, uh, and now that I've been coming often enough, people are like, oh, he'll probably be here. We'll invite him, you know? Uh, so it's more of this the symptom of like, he's always around. So we'll just invite him to stuff. And so I get invited to some pretty cool things.
1: Which is nice, and it is a conundrum because it's like trying to. There's a saying that's kind of coarse, but jamming a uh, you know ten pounds worth of crap into a five pound bag, right? So it's always hard to get <laughs> everything you want to get done while you're here. And for you, you're launching a book, and so you have business things that you need to meet.
0: Yeah, but it's. I mean, I think that the way to to approach an event like this, uh, if you are coming to South by for the first time, or even if you're not at South by, just you're trying to get you're going to a place where there's a lot of stuff going on, and you're like, oh man, I don't know what I should do the biggest thing that's helped me is to choose something to do or choose somewhere to go and then be there with intention, like be there entirely. Don't be sitting there looking on your phone about the other 20 things that you could have gone to. Like when you choose to do something, when you choose to go somewhere, like be there, experience that.
1: That's maybe some of the best advice that I think anyone can hear. I've worked really hard to try to be more intentional about when I'm with someone, I'm with them a hundred percent versus being distracted. I think sometimes we all have a tendency when you're at an event where maybe you are cheating and looking or catching up on email and it is hard to do, but I do agree with you. A lot of years I left South by Southwest and I'm like, I felt like I ate junk food for five days. Right. And it was because I was having these million sort of 30 second conversations, but wasn't really deeply engaging. Right. So I think I would add that caveat of with people and sort of events or talks or whatever, be intentional. I love that. And really focus on that and see, like, what can I take away from this? And maybe go and say, I'm going to share this. Like, I'm going to share my notes on LinkedIn or on yeah, my blog or whatever. Totally. So that's, that's great advice. Two last ones are a little more fun. But um, let's say, you know, I can grant you a wish. It can be anything you want to do. What would your wish be? Anything I could do. Any, any, you could have something. You buy a $10 million yacht. You could have 50 more wishes, you could cure cancer, you could meet, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, whatever it is that you want to do, anything's possible.
0: I would like to have access to an unlimited fund of money that I could grant to all of the people that I meet who are doing amazing things and deserve to be paid for it. Because there's so many people who either are doing things where they just can't find the funding, or they're doing amazing nonprofit stuff, or they're just struggling, and if I could just spend my time meeting those people and being like, here you go, here's 100 grand, here you go, here's another 100 grand, and just be granted the ability to give that money away to the people who should really get it,
1: that would be pretty epic. Well, I love that. Uh, it's a definitely a variation on some other themes that we've had, but um, that's a nice way to give back, and hopefully you'd keep a 3% service fee, so <laughs> you'd have enough to keep you going, too. I mean, in the, in as different. long as
0: I can pay for food and you know uh, afford to fly and not have to do long-ass road trips, I'm good.
1: Look, I mean, the credit cards do it, the Venmo's do it, so you can get away That's with all it. I need. 3% service fee. <laughs> the last one, which is truly a fun one, and apropos, because we're here in like the live music capital of the world in Austin, uh, you're on a proverbial deserted island. Don't worry about the technology or the how. You could take one album with you. Which album would you pick and why?
0: I would probably take um, one of the albums from Mana, which is a Mexican band, because it just makes me feel
1: good. That music just makes me feel good. Well, we've definitely not had that one as a choice before. So, great way <laughs> to wrap us up and a non-obvious choice from uh, you, um, Rohit Bargava. Thank you so much. Uh, multi-author, speaker, professor, generally good guy. I think you do some consulting on the side as well, probably, right?
0: Yeah, I some consulting, mostly keynote speaking. So that's my big—that's my big thing. If you like this stuff and you need a speaker, that's me.
1: Well, I can, you know, heartily endorse <laughs> you. I am excited that we will be able to see your talk. Those that are not able to be here can see your talk on the South by website. We'll link to it, but southbyswsx.com. If you just search Rohit Bargava. I think it's going
0: to be on their YouTube channel. So it's youtube.com slash sxsw.
1: So they'll find it. So uh, really appreciate you doing this. I'm glad we get the the time to do it and uh, good luck with the rest of your time here.
0: Me too. And I know you're hosting some amazing events too and I know they're going to be great. I'll be part of one of them. So I know you do some fantastic stuff too. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Want more episodes of The Real Chemistry Podcast? Subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. We post a new episode every Thursday. Visit realchemistry.com for more info.